This is Jose Figueroa with an approved workman where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Welcome to another time of Bible study. I am glad that you're here as we open up God's word one more time. Our current series is Growing Grace, Growing Knowledge, a study of the book of 2 Peter. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here is how you can learn more about our work. You can start by visiting at our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's anapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can also listen to previous episodes of our current series on 2 Peter or any episodes from previous Bible study series we have completed. You can also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and other podcast directories. You can also connect with an approved workman on social media. On Instagram, we are at an approved workman. On Pinterest, we are an approved workman. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash workman 215 Finally, you can also subscribe to our video channels to ensure you don't miss any episodes of the video versions of our lessons. These are available on either YouTube or Rumble. Today, we're lesson number four in the series, Growing Grace, Growing Knowledge, from the book of 2 Peter. This is volume two of our series, Strangers and Pilgrims, a study of 1st and 2nd Peter. Today's lesson is titled, Watch Out for the Deceivers, Part 1, and our focus passage is 2nd Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In this chapter 2, Peter alerts believers about the threat of false teachers. Danger, 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 warning, watch out. These are common words and phrases that serve to alert us of problems ahead. The entities who put these warnings or alerts up want to keep us from getting hurt. Whether we're talking about risks to our health or our safety, it is important to heed those warnings. How good are you about heeding the warning signs in your life? In our previous episode, we completed our three-part study of 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we call that teaching called to abundant living. In that first chapter of 2 Peter, he reminded his audience of their great redemption in Christ and also of the strong foundation of their faith and the truth of God's word. In between those affirmations, he encouraged them to not stand pat, to not grow stagnant. No, they needed to continue to grow in grace and knowledge. We have been called by Jesus to abundant living. We have been saved for eternity, uh, but we're not expected to just stay here with just that knowledge. While we're here, there is also a call to abundant life. God wants more for us. We're supposed to be growing more and more each day into the image of Jesus Christ. 
In him, we have everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need to live full, fruitful, and firm lives. So let's review the principles and applications from our study on 2 Peter chapter 1. First, our first division, called to full lives. That was verses 1 through 4. Our principle, in Christ alone, God has provided all we need to live full, godly lives. In Christ alone, God has provided all we need to live full, godly lives. As a way of application, we ask, knowing God has given you everything you need in Christ to live a full, godly life, how are you challenged or comforted? In our second division, we saw that we are also called to fruitful lives, verses 5 through 11. Our principle, in Christ alone, we can live fruitful, godly lives to God's glory. In Christ alone, we can live fruitful, godly lives to God's glory. Our application, how are the qualities of a fruitful, godly life showing up in your life? Finally, we looked at, at the third division called to firm lives, verses 12 to 21. And our principle was, God's word alone provides the foundation for firm, godly lives. God's word alone provides the foundation for firm, godly lives. The application question, how are you letting the truth of Scripture become the firm foundation of your godly life? If you missed that previous episode or any of the other two episodes on 2 Peter chapter 1, I encourage you to go to the website, listen to the podcast episode, or watch the video of those lessons on YouTube or Rumble. In today's lesson, we begin our study of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. As we mentioned in our introductory lesson to 2 Peter, a big issue Peter is addressing in this letter is the threat of false teachers. In particular, the threat was coming from teachers of Gnosticism. Here's what we find in the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible on this heresy. Quote, Religious thought distinguished by claims to obscure and mystical knowledge, and emphasizing knowledge rather than faith. Until the mid-20th century, Gnosticism was regarded as a Christian heresy which developed through the interweaving of Christian experience and thought with Greek philosophy. More recently, many scholars defined the Gnostics more broadly as devotees of a religious view which borrow ideas from many religious traditions. The meanings of these borrowed terms and practices were shaped into mythological expressions of experiential salvation." End quote. And again, that's an entry by Gerald Borchardt in uh, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. Again, so focus on that is there is focus on knowledge rather than faith is the idea that there is this obscure mystical knowledge that cannot be achieved or by everybody. So there's like a, an exclusivity to that and keeping people away from that. So that's what the Gnostics were teaching in Peter's day at the, at the, at the time of the writing of this second letter. In his commentary on Second Peter, 
Dr. R.C. Sproul comments on how uh, the true knowledge of God stands against the false teaching of the Gnostics. He says, quote, over against the heretical view of knowledge, Peter talks about true knowledge, the knowledge that comes from God, which is perhaps one of the most important, if not the most important grace that he disposes upon his people. God gives us knowledge that comes to us from himself. He, he could have made us and walked away and remain in shadow, obscurity, and darkness, giving us no knowledge of himself. However, he has given us not only knowledge of himself in creation, which we call general revelation, but he has also given us his word. Our God is not silent. Though we may not see him, we hear from him in his word. End quote. Dr. N.T. Wright talks about why Peter is so focused and so intent in warning his readers about the danger from these false teachers. He says, quote, Peter is doing his best to warn his readers about the dangers they face. It isn't simply a matter of people who are basically all right but get one or two points wrong. There are seriously dangerous people out there, Peter says, and you have to learn to recognize them, end quote. So again, it's not just a matter of a couple of theology points and disagreements about those. No, this is way more serious. Peter is spending an entire chapter telling his readers about these false teachers, who they are, what is their purpose, what is their source, and why they're so dangerous. One more insight, this time from Dr. John MacArthur, on why it is so critical to recognize and confront false teachers. He says in his Bible commentary, quote, Peter described false teachers in detail in this chapter so that Christians would always recognize their characteristics and methods. The greatest sin of Christ's rejectors and the most damning work of Satan is misrepresentation of the truth and its consequent deception. Nothing is more wicked than for someone to claim to speak for God to the salvation of souls when in reality he speaks for Satan to the damnation of souls. End quote. That's why this chapter is so important. That's why it's so critical. And that's why we're going to get in depth into the study of this second chapter from Second Peter. Here is our lesson outline and goal for our teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, the lesson is called Watch Out for the Deceivers. Today we're focused on part 1. We have three divisions, the appearance of false teachers, verses 1 through 9, then the attributes of false teachers, verses 10 through 14, and finally the apostasy of false teachers, verses 15 through 22. And the goal for the teaching for 2 Peter chapter 2 is this, to encourage believers to remember that we must be ready to recognize false teachers and to stand for the truth and our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the goal for the lesson, the teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2 is this, to encourage believers to remember that we must be ready to recognize false teachers and to stand for the truth 
and our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we will focus on our first division, the appearance of false teachers, verses 1 through 9. Let's get started then with that first division, reading from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. But false prophets also appear among the people, just as there will be also false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness held for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example of what is coming for the ungodly, verse 7, And if he rescued righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the perverted conduct of unscrupulous people, for what? For by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from a trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Second Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 9. As we get started looking at verse 1, we see that Peter tells us that just as false prophets appeared among the people of Israel, false teachers will also appear in the church. Moses warned Israel about false prophets, but it was in vain. Go back to Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 5. Throughout their history, Israel was afflicted by poor leadership, and false prophets were a big part of that problem. Peter is also not alone in warning the church about false teachers. Jesus told us about it, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 19. The Apostle Paul told us about it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, and also the Apostle John, 1 John 4, verses 1 to 3. The Apostle Jude, uh, the Lord's half-brother, will also add his own warning to the church in his short but powerful epistle. Look at Jude, verses 17 and 18. Jude has only one chapter. Verse 17, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. So these deceivers will come in into the church in secret, to teach destructive heresies. Their intent is to teach divisive and false doctrines to destroy the church. 
Notice that approach. It's secret. It is via stealth mode. False teachers don't come directly and openly saying we're teaching false stuff. No, they sneak in as welcome members of the fellowship of faith. How can you identify these false teachers as they sneak in? Well, for one thing, they will even go as far as denying their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. This word master is the Greek word despotes, which means sovereign Lord. We get our word despot from that uh, Greek word. In the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, we, we read this, quote, word used to translate five different Hebrew words and seven different Greek terms with root meanings of owner, elder, sovereign, teacher, superintendent, lord, sir, rabbi, and captain, oftentimes used to describe Jesus." End quote. When Jesus Christ redeemed us, he became our master, our owner. He redeemed us from the slave market of sin. He purchased us with his own blood. We belong to him and no one else. He is Lord. But these false teachers will deny the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ in their lives. That is the ultimate reason for their downfall. And because of this lack of allegiance, their destruction is assured. Dr. MacArthur summarizes this rejection of Christ by false teachers. He says, quote, Peter here warns that false prophets denying the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ. The other heresies may include the denial of the virgin birth, deity, bodily resurrection, and second coming of Christ. The false teachers' basic error is that they will not submit their lives to the rule of Christ. All false religions have an erroneous Christology. End quote. In his commentary on Second Peter, Dr. Wearsby also speaks about how the denial of truth is a key aspect of the false teacher's approach. False teachers are better known for what they deny than what they affirm. He starts. They deny the inspiration of the Bible the sinfulness of man, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross, salvation by faith alone, and even the reality of eternal judgment. They especially deny the deity of Jesus Christ, for they know that if they can do away with his deity, they can destroy the entire body of Christian truth. Christianity is Christ, and if he's not what he claims to be, there is no Christian faith. End quote. Unfortunately, these deceivers will not only impact themselves, they will infect the rest of the church with their sensuality, their sexual immorality. The problem is that many believers will follow after them, causing the gospel, the truth, the way of righteousness, the faith to be maligned. This immoral, rebellious behavior 
is not how believers should act and it cannot be excused. However, it is too prevalent in the church and it causes the world to question the authenticity of our confession. The false teachers will also be driven by greed and they will exploit the church members with lies. So whenever you see sexual immorality preached as freedom and greed dressed as prosperity blessings, you will find a false teacher behind it. However, Peter also wants us to know that the judgment and destruction of these false teachers is coming. It had been decreed from long ago. If you reject God, if you oppose God, you will be destroyed. There is no escaping the judgment of God. There will be payday someday. In verses 4 and 5, Peter goes to illustrate this principle with three examples from the Old Testament. First, the sin of the sons of God. Genesis 6, 1 through 7, and also Jude chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. The flood, Genesis 7, 17 to 24, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19. So let's take a look at these briefly. First, the sin of the sons of God. Peter first speaks of angels who sinned with women. And in our series on 1 Peter, Living Hope, we covered this topic extensively in our lesson, Living Differently, Part 2, focus on 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22. So what I will do now is just summarize the key points here. I encourage you to revisit that episode for the full treatment. So in summary, the sons of God, angels, rebel against him, came down to earth, and had sexual relations with women, leading to the creation of a race of giants, the Nephilim. That sin accelerated the spread of evil on the earth, leading to God declaring judgment on the ungodly world. As a result, these spiritual beings were committed to hell. The word is Tartarus, which is a prison of darkness. It's a, the, deepest pit, the deepest pit or the lowest part of the netherworld, Hades. And those angels, those sons of God, will be kept there until the final day of judgment. The second example is the judgment on the world and the deliverance of Noah. So again, the sin of the sons of God led to evil spreading throughout the earth and God saying is enough. So God brought his judgment on the ancient ungodly world via the flood. And if you recall, only eight people were saved from the flood. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. They were delivered by entering the ark. <clears throat> Everyone else in the world perished. Finally, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah and the deliverance of Lot. That's the third example. So, the sinful cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. The people of those cities were guilty of great sins of immorality, both heterosexual and homosexual sins. As a result, the cities were completely destroyed by brimstone and fire. Only Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his daughters were saved, delivered from that judgment. 
And even though Lot made some questionable decisions, Peter tells us that he was a righteous man who was overwhelmed and tormented because of the sin around him. Lot needed deliverance from that situation. So God's judgment on the world via the flood and on Sodom and Gomorrah are just examples of the final judgment that is to come on the ungodly. There is no escaping the judgment of God. There will be payday Sunday. Dr. Wright speaks of this severe judgment on wickedness. He says, quote, Notice that wickedness which God judges is not so much offbeat teaching about theoretical matters, but the practices which give the game away, sin, ungodliness, and shameful and unprincipled behavior. End quote. And when you talk about ungodly behavior and wickedness, it all starts with false doctrine. And Dr. Sproul speaks about the impact false doctrine has on our behavior. He says, quote, false doctrine produces ungodly living. If we are false in our understanding of the truth, how can we possibly be righteous? It is hard enough to be righteous even when we hold to the truth. Holding to sound doctrine is no guarantee that our life will be sound. If we're going to live by the principles of God's word, we first have to know what those principles are. But that is only part of the battle. It's the easy part. The hard part is having the moral strength to live by those principles. End quote. In verse 9, Peter tells us that the rescues of Noah and his family and of Lot show that God knows how to deliver the righteous, the godly, from their trials and tribulations. God is always ready and able to deliver, to save his people. Nothing can snatch him out of his hands. In him, we are more than conquerors. But God is a God of justice. He will ultimately punish and remove sin forever. He also knows how to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. They will not escape. Dr. Tony Evans speaks on this final judgment on the wicked. Quote, The false teachers referenced here do not veer unknowingly into error, but intentionally perpetuate lies. Therefore, they will receive condemnation and eternal destruction. For the wicked, there is no hope apart from repentance and faith in Christ. Only the fearful expectation of eternal destruction in hell, especially for those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. End quote. It is clear that these unrighteous, deceiving false teachers are agents of the enemy, Satan. He is a liar and a murderer, as Jesus told us in John 8, 43 and 44. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. These false, teach these false teachers are the tares among the wheat that Jesus spoke of. They are planted by the enemy, but in the end, 
they will not prevail. Their final destiny for these false teachers is destruction. That's what awaits them. But for the moment, we must be watchful and alert. False teachers are coming. They might already be in our midst, and we must be ready to recognize them and confront them before they can cause enormous damage to the church and to the kingdom agenda. Are you ready? That brings us to the end of this first division. What is our principle? Believers recognize false teachers who deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. Believers recognize false teachers who deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. How are you preparing yourself to recognize false teachers? This concludes part one of our teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2. Thank you for being here today. Next time, we will complete our study of 2 Peter 2, and we will focus on our second division, the attributes of false teachers, verses 10 through 14, and our third division, the apostasy of false teachers, verses 15 through 22. Until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved workman where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. May God richly bless you.